Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am really excited for today because I actually get to sit down with a good friend, Natalie Jill. Now, a lot of you probably already know her and follow her because she's a fitness celebrity. She literally has over 3 million followers on Facebook and Instagram. But what you probably don't know is that her story is one of a roller coaster. From being at the top, or at least appearing so, to totally crashing down and losing everything to being at the top again for real and then having some changes happen where all of a sudden she had to recover and reinvent herself once again. And so it's a really exciting journey, not only of where she's been, but the lessons that she's pulled out of it. And I think they're going to blow your mind. And before we go there, I do want to remind you that 2019 is coming up. And my 2019 coaching slots are open. I only take people for six months at a time, and I only take two people at a time. So there's only four slots per year, and that means there's two brand new ones coming up in 2019. If you are curious, if you are an entrepreneur that wants to work on all aspects of your entrepreneurial life, because I really do believe in a holistic approach, if you want to break through from the multi-six-figure range to multiple seven figures in the six months that we're working together, then this is probably speaking to you. If it is, go ahead and just shoot me a quick email. Let's keep it informal. Go ahead and put coaching in the title and email me at chrisatforthelovemoney.com. Again, if you're a multi-six-figure entrepreneur, you want want me to grab your hand and and let's go to seven figures together, then just put coaching in the title of the email and email me at chrisatforthelovemoney.com. Two spots opening up for 2019. I cannot wait. All right, Natalie Jill, I cannot wait for you to hear what we're about to talk about because her story is outstanding. I mean, you've seen her on ABC and Fox and NBC. She is an incredible mother. The The way she continues to reinvent herself, not only on the outside, but also in terms of how she lives her life is outstanding. We're going to talk about that quite a bit. And quite honestly, I think you're going to end up being wildly inspired by her authenticity and how she shares her most vulnerable moments because they're going to give you lessons on what to do if you feel like you're stuck or on the decline or about to start from zero and head towards the top. So without any further ado, listen up, let's go. Natalie Jill, my dear friend, how the heck are you? Great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Of course. Like, we are way overdue for how long we've known each other. We're way overdue for having this conversation, but I feel like the timing is perfect to have it anyways. Yes. So let's do this. I start all my shows with rapid fire. It's kind of a fun way for my listeners to get to know you in a hurry. And if something really good comes up that we want to do deep dive on, we'll circle back to it. You in? Sounds good. I'm ready. All right, cool. So we're going to start easy. Where'd you grow up? Washington, D.C. And where do you live now? San Diego, California. And a brand new home as of like, what, five minutes ago? Yeah, like five, literally five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Like just got internet like five minutes ago? Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's not home to have internet. What's your favorite quote? Oh my gosh. It's, it would be one that I made up and it's excuses or solutions you decide. Oh, so good. What is one of your superpowers? 
Mm, I can read people, like really read people. I, I'm really good at figuring out someone's intentions early on. Mm, that's a really good one to have too. What is one of your favorite books? It's a new one that I just read. It's not even that new, but I, I just read it and I love it. I'm going to get it for everybody I know. It's called The Go-Giver. By Bob Berg. Yes, it's so good. I interviewed him. He is one of my... So when I did 30 books in 30 days, it was one of the books that was my favorite. It's really, really good. It's an easy read. You can read it in a night. You you can. What's your favorite part about it? I just... I like that it's these little tips you wouldn't really think about, Um that made him successful. There's no like actual business tips. It's just these five ways of being that make you successful. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it, even though it's a parable, right? Or a fable, the, mm -hmm. the way it reads and the way it unfolds, you can find yourself in the journey to be like, oh, yeah. I do that. Or, oh, I need to start doing that. It reminds me of, did you ever read the sales book, Selling the Wheel? No. Huh? Years ago? It, it was the same similar idea. It teaches you how to sell without actually teaching you to sell. It's just a little fable. Mm, okay. I got sidetracked. A couple more fast uh, rapid fire here. Yeah. What is one thing you're challenged by right now? Ooh, trusting people. Um, I, after being through so many people that I trusted with consulting and business ideas and things not going as I wanted, I'm now very skeptical and I'm working on overcoming that. Mm, we are going to do a deep dive later on that. Favorite speech or advice you've ever given? Ooh. The best advice I've ever been given is just to be you. And I used to not understand it, but I really understand it now about being just authentic and whatever is coming up for you in the moment, being that. Who is someone who's changed your life? Cool. Uh, I'm going to say Herb Cepeda. I love it. I know Herbie. Yeah. <laughs> and what is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments this far? My daughter, being a mom. Oh, I love that. One regret you have? Ooh, not starting my own business and impact on the world until I was in my late 30s. Oh, so many people talk about that, like not getting started sooner. Yeah. Last rapid fire question. What is something generous you've done recently? Something generous I've done recently. Ooh. Given money to a stranger in line at Target. Those are, those are the best. I'm, I'm serious. Like when, when, when we do like charity gals and all that, I think that's important giving. But the best giving is like, oh, you need this here. Like spur yeah. the moment stuff. There was a lady that was checking out and her card was declined and she was frantic. And I just handed her money and said, and smiled. You literally were the break she needed in her day. It felt good. Mm, I love that. Okay. Let's go a little bit deeper now. Sounds good. So many, many, many of my listeners follow you online, obviously, but a lot of them have probably never gotten the chance to really hear the story about when you were at rock bottom, not all that long ago. Right? There was a point in your life where you had lost your marriage, you lost your house, your retirement, you had gained a bunch of weight. So if you don't mind, just so people can really familiarize themselves with just how far you've come, would you mind yeah, describing absolutely. how you ended up in that situation and that moment of your life? Totally. And you know what's funny is 
when I share this story, you know, some people will look at me like, oh, this would never happen to them. I was that person that thought this would never happen to me. I was the self-righteous person that had the great career, that had the nice house, that looked like I had this perfect life. And I, I used to frown on people that had debt or, you know, was having hardships. I just was very self-righteous about it all. And, and that's probably why it happened to me. Um, but yeah, I was, I was married. I was pregnant with my first baby. And um, I was living in this great neighborhood. I had a great job. Everything looked like it was going, going perfectly, except uh, what people didn't know is that my marriage was falling apart, that my, I was gonna, learning that I was going to be a newly single mom. And my job, my, this amazing career I had happened to be one where I traveled full time. So thinking like, my gosh, what am I going to do when I have a baby, if I'm a single mom and I'm traveling full time. So that was going through my head. And that doesn't seem that unusual to other people in a situation like that. But what was unusual at the time was this was back when, and I know you're familiar with this, the stock market had crashed, the housing market had crashed, you know, 2008, 2009, things are falling apart. So next thing you know, here I am not only going through a divorce, going to be a new, newly single mom, taking a job demotion not to travel, um, but I've also gained a lot of weight from being depressed and being pregnant. And I've now had put my life savings into my home and I lost it all. It was gone. And I'm finding myself no longer able to pay my mortgage to pay for anything. Wow. I can't imagine what that felt like. How scared were you in the moment? It was the scariest time of my life. I, I just remember wishing I could fast forward, like grab a remote control and fast forward. I thought, why is this happening to me? In fact, I remember pulling up to the gas station one day, feeling sorry for myself. And I went to go fill up my gas tank and I pulled out my corporate American express card and it had been declined. I'm like, why was my corporate American express declined? And I called, I sat there from my car, I called American express. I said, why is my card declined? I've never missed a payment. And they said, well, you're $1.4 million in debt. And I'll just never forget hearing that. <laughs> that uh, on the other hand, like, how am I $1.4 million in debt? And just feeling like my life was over in that moment. Oh my God, I can't imagine. I got to ask you, you said you were scared, right? Were you yeah. more scared that everybody was going to find out just how bad everything was? Or were you more scared that your life was changing and transitioning with so many challenges so quickly? That was a great question. That's a great question. It's both, but you know what? Probably more so that I felt like a fake all of a sudden. Like people are going to know that I'm fake now. Like Mm. this is not real. Like I can't, I'm not the Joneses anymore. Yep. I remember having that feeling just so you know I can identify. And we've Mm. talked about this a lot, right? We spent a lot of time together. But in Minnesota, when I had lost my career and we had to just get rid of everything and short sell the homes and hold nine years. And the fear isn't like, oh, gee, where am I going to live? How am I going to come back? At least for us, it wasn't. The fear is like, what do I look like that I painted the picture that everything was so great? Yeah, and feeling like there was no one I could talk to because no one knew the truth. Yes, it's lonely. Like, no one knows how bad this really is for me right now is how I felt. Why do we do that, do you suppose? Why, why do we make it so that outside looking in, we make it as a, look as, a, as though everything is outstanding? Is that like a rite of passage? Do we have to go through that to, to like become who we are now or what? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it really to look back, it starts as patterns from childhood or from high school, trying to fit in, trying to be accepted, you know, and I can't speak for everybody I know, but for me, 
it was a, a constant trying to impress people, trying to fit in, trying to be someone. So when here I was in this corporate job I'm supposed to have and married like I'm supposed to be and having a baby like I'm supposed to, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And now it's falling apart. You feel like a fake and a failure. Mm-hmm. And it's and it feels very lonely and very scary. So obviously that was rock bottom. And, you know, anyone who watches you now know that knows that you've totally turned it around. But what was the first step? What were the first thoughts yeah. in reconciling where you're at and deciding to take a step for, forward? You know what? The funny thing is the first step that I did is exactly the same step and actions that I took with a hardship I had recently. And I'm going to, and I'll come back to what that was, but it's, I always will circle back to these and it's the same methods I even use with clients when they're at a rock bottom right now. But the very first thing I did was I remember feeling so depressed and so sad and not even being able to imagine what it would feel like to, to not feel that way. But I knew I had to change my mindset somehow. So I made a vision board. Literally the first thing I did is I made a vision board of if I could be anything and recreate my life, what would that look like? And I remember getting magazines and just cutting out pictures without editing myself. And I put these fit girls on there and I put this ocean view and I put you know, a happy couple and a dog. I just put whatever would make me happy. And I remember thinking every day, if I can just stare at this vision board and I can just imagine that I'm living in that vision board, that I have to start having the right thoughts and start taking the right actions towards that. And did you stare at it every day or did it get like put, you know, under the bed or in the closet? Nope. I stared at that thing every single day and I would just stare at it and literally fantasize, visualize, like, what would that be like? I remember thinking, for instance, I had a picture of the ocean. I said, okay, I don't live at the ocean right now, but I could go walk at the ocean every day and pretend like I do. And I remember thinking, putting fit girls on there. And I thought, okay, what does a fit girl do? And I wasn't in nutrition or fitness at the time, but I thought, well, a fit girl would move her body every day. A fit girl would eat healthy, unprocessed foods every day. And I started literally just taking little actions towards what was in that vision board every single day. And those little steps over time always add up to big things. You just said one of the best things ever that I have not yet heard when people are talking about vision boards and all that. It's not just building it. It's not just staring at it. It's not just like wishing for it. You would say, what does a fit girl do next? What does a happy woman do next? What does a successful business person do next? And then you would go do those little baby things. Yeah, because Chris, the only thing different between who we are right now and where we want to be is our thoughts and our actions. That's it. It's not so much the how, it's the thoughts and the actions. So I thought if I could change my thoughts and then I could take those actions, because it's not just a woo-woo thing. You don't just stare at it and it happens, but you change your thoughts towards it and you start taking those actions. It has to shift and change. So the board really isn't magic. The board is what inspires you to take the little actions. It gives you that visualization tool. Maybe the reminder. Yeah. I love it. So you turned it all around and the vision board was, you know, instrumental in doing that. How did you start to build momentum? Because most people know you as the Natalie Jill, you know, the millions of followers online and the whole nine yards. But I'm guessing that was a long road. Yeah. So when I, when it first happen. I had my hundred Facebook friends, you know, I have almost 2 million people on Facebook now, but at the time I had my hundred Facebook friends, Facebook was, was relatively new. And I thought if I'm going to take action towards being a fit girl and being healthy and doing all these things, I need accountability. So I'm going to start posting it on social media. So I remember posting my food and my workouts and I, I did it for myself, not for anyone else. I really did it for, if I tell people I'm going to eat healthy and work out, I'm going to eat healthy and work out. 
And what happened was because I was so vulnerable and so authentic and real, and for the first time in my life, I wasn't being fake and trying to be someone I wasn't, people really resonated with me and they followed and they wanted more. They wanted more. Oh, I don't want anyone to miss what you just said. Because you were being real, people could actually resonate with you. Like there's this where everybody gets it wrong. I'll have a good business once I look like this. I'll have a good business once I have this paycheck. I'll have a good business once, once, once. No, you're never more relatable than while you're going through your journey. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I just put it all out there. It's like, this is me. I'm an overweight single mom. I don't have money. This is what I'm going to work out at home. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm eating. I was the original. This is what I'm eating poster. (laughs) You, you're responsible for that whole trend. <laughs> yeah. So, but what was ha- happening was I was really authentically connecting with people. I wasn't trying to market. I wasn't trying to be anything I wasn't. And people were interested. And the next questions I was getting was, why don't you have a recipe book? Why don't you, you know, show, do this. So I remember Googling ebook. Somebody said, make an ebook. I Googled what is an ebook. I didn't even know. And I took my Blackberry phone photos, which were really hideous photos. <laughs> and I made a I made a PDF document on my own and I put it on Facebook for $12. That was the very first thing I did. And um, people loved it. They loved this gross pictured <laughs> ebook. And more questions started coming. And, you know, by now I, I'm still in my hundreds on Facebook. I don't have a lot of people following me, but my body starts to change and my vision starts getting bigger that I want to be in fitness or I want to do something more. I want to inspire women now. So I start getting questions like, Hey, how are you putting these foods together for, and how's that changing your body? So I sat down on another weekend, no marketing, no sales page, no graphic artist. And I wrote what is now my best selling book. It was seven day jumpstart. I wrote it in a weekend. It was called seven day jumpstart. And it was just what I was doing, what I was eating to change my body and to feel better. And I put it online on Facebook and I sold that, I remember, for $35. I didn't even proofread the PDF. It was like a twelve-page <laughs> PDF, and people bought it. And it still wasn't looking like a business to me, but what happened was women would buy it, a few women a day, and they would get massive results. Like within a first week, they would lose five pounds, they'd feel better, they'd lose the bloat, and they would send me a message and say, oh my gosh, Natalie, this is, this is awesome. I lost five pounds, I feel great. And I would screenshot what they said, and put it back on Facebook and say, oh my gosh, look at, you know, Lori, look what she did. I'm so proud of her. Who is next? And that literally is what built my business initially. That took off. Just giving back, sharing that, and sharing their stories. Oh my God. It, number one, it's so resourceful, right? Number two, I hope everyone caught how you said you didn't even proofread it. I mean, I'm not advocating putting garbage <laughs> out there, but done was better than perfect was kind of how you were operating in those days. Is that right? Yeah. And I wasn't looking at it as this is going to be a million dollar business at all. It was, it was not a business plan. It was just me being real and sharing. And I had, I came up with an opportunity because people were asking for it and I didn't expect that digital download, which has since been revised a million times. It's now in stores, a best-selling book in stores, but that digital download, that did a million dollars in sales that first year. Oh my God, that's so badass. And I just want to really inspire people here. This book that you wrote in a weekend out of just being vulnerable in whatever was interesting to you in the moment, right? The journey you're on. This book that you yeah. wrote in a weekend, you chucked it out there. Over the next few years, how many copies did you end up selling in total of that book? Oh, my gosh. It was in the tens of thousands. So so oh that, book, that book was a digital download. It was $35. So 
and I, I suck at math. <laughs> my, my husband will listen. But for every like, thousand of them that you made, you made 35 grand. Yeah, exactly. But it, that did about a million dollars in sales. And what that did was it kept inspiring me to do more because the next question was, what do you do for workouts? What do you do for this? So I kept listening to whatever my audience was asking for. And I would create the next thing based on that. It was never about my own specific vision of where I wanted to sell them. It was specifically about what are they asking me for next? And let me create that answer for them. Ooh, just serving them. Just serving them. And this was without a big staff, without a team, without sales pages. I remember my husband and I used to laugh at all those long scrolling sales pages. We thought they were cheesy. You know, ours was just a little typed up <laughs> one line of, you know, for, about the ebook. Wow, I love that. So at Pinnacle, right, the book is selling, the workouts are selling, you get millions of followers on, on Facebook. At Pinnacle, you had a, like a $3 million a year business. You were killing it. We were killing it. It was amazing. And then things went, started to go wrong. So things were working well for a number of years. And, and when I share what went wrong, there's also a lot that we did right. So, and I want to point that out, but here's what went wrong, um, what went wrong for me is one, I relied so heavily on just social media, like thinking, okay, just Facebook, Facebook is key. Now this is when Facebook was growing and I didn't know, I didn't understand that that's not my people, you know, like that's somebody else's, that's not your people. I knew on a logical sense, but really that's, you think that you've built this following, but it's really, you don't own those people. You don't have those people. Facebook can change an algorithm, change something. And all of a sudden you're not reaching people. So we're growing and I'm literally just focusing on Facebook at the time. And that really started to hurt us when social media changed because all of a sudden Facebook controls, they switch, switch things and you're not reaching people. You don't have much of a business anymore. Yeah. I yeah. hope people caught that. You are yeah. dependent on a social media platform and everything is fine until one little change and that can cause a dramatic downshift. How, how big of a dip was it for you? Yes. So it, gradually started spiraling. And then what went, went wrong in addition to that is me personally wanting to keep throwing money to fix things. Like, because what built my business initially was it being me with me connecting with my audience, with me being authentic, with me answering what people are asking for. As soon as you switch to more of a marketer and you've got people you're paying to do things for you, it doesn't land the same. It just doesn't land the same. It's not your own voice. So between throwing money at that and watching the algorithms and change in social media, my business started tanking. Not because of product not helping people, but you just couldn't reach, I couldn't reach the same amount of people. Yeah, I Facebook dialed was, it back and you're just kind of screwed, no matter how good your message screwed. is. <laughs> yes, kind of screwed. And you know, I refuse to watch, believe that. It's like, okay, well, it's not Facebook. I'll just throw more money at it. I need the right sales letter, the right person, the right this. And that gets dangerous. It gets very dangerous. Now, you and I have talked about it. Do you mind sharing just what, how much you've invested in, quote, coaches that maybe weren't oh, the right people? <laughs> and, and it's really crazy looking at this now because when you're in it, it's like nobody can tell you not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be back on top so bad that I just kept throwing more money, more money at things. At my worst, in four months, I spent over $250,000 on people to help me. Now, these are not bad people. These are people that know a lot. Um, you know, but it's... It, me coming at from a little girl standpoint of like, please help me, please fix me. Um, isn't a way to run a business. It's not and empowering. I, is it? No, it's not empowering. And it, it, for me, it didn't work. And it took me 
Oh, at my worst, I spent that in about a three month, four month period. But this was about a year and a half of throwing money at different consultants, different people, people that I thought would know more than me, more and more money. Like if I have this sales copy person, if I have this person, like the more money I would throw at people, the worse it would get. And it took, it literally took that crashing and burning for me to finally realize what I realized 10 years ago at my rock bottom spot. It's about being vulnerable. It's about being real. It's about connecting with people. And it's not about what somebody else is going to do for me. Mm, that is so true. I hope everybody caught that. So what would you have done differently, right? I want you to push yourself back there. Mm -hmm. Your business that was once $3 million a year is spiraling out of control. You are mm -hmm. desperate to get back on top. You're throwing money at any coach that sounds shiny. What would you have done differently? How would you have pulled yourself out of that or seen it differently? So it's that it's a double-edged sword on that question because for what sometimes the big the worst things that happen to you are your biggest things that you learn from. Um, just like I learned from my rock bottom ten years ago, I learned a lot from this recent one. I mean, I learned. I I don't know that I would change it now. Um, knowing what I know now, I guess what I would say is I wouldn't have hired people. I would have just taken some time off and really thought about what do I want to do next um, and cleared my head. But honestly, I'm grateful for that happening because I learned so much in the process and I'm so confident with what I know now and what I want and what my vision is that if that hadn't happened, I don't know that I would have gotten there. That's really, really valuable for everybody to hear. Sometimes these lessons, expensive or not, are the ones we absolutely need because you're going to be that much better going forward now. Absolutely. So you wouldn't and trade it. Crazy thing for, for me, Chris, that one of the craziest things that happened was I was losing so much money and I was so desperate for something to work. I just kept throwing more and more money. And what happened was on one Zoom call with a group of mine, on one Zoom call, I made an offer without a sales letter, without sales copy, without rehearsing it. I just made an offer of something I come up with. And in a matter of five minutes, I made about $70,000. Uh, I want people to catch that. You got back to being just authentic. Yeah, It was like, wow, I just from my heart shared something that I can do to help people. And that worked. And it, and it wasn't trickery. It was like I felt so good with what I was offering them and what I was doing. But it was like such a big lesson that why was I spending all this money and time on people to help when it's just about being real and being me? Oh my God, that is so good. You are inspiring people left and right out there that either one are in that trap of throwing too much money at a problem that's not getting better or number two, they're like, I can't save myself because I don't have the money to invest. You don't need it. You don't yeah. need it. Once in yeah. a while, it can be a, an accelerator, but most times you don't need it. I love that. So I've got yeah. a money mindset question about you, for Absolutely. you. Um, you just described this crazy roller coaster ride from appearing to have everything in order to mm -hmm. totally losing everything to building this amazing fitness empire, making millions to a couple algorithms changing and that, you know, totally declining and, and having to like reinvent yourself again. My question is this, you've been broke then mm -hmm. you've had a $3 million a year business. <laughs> then you've been broke again. Like how has your happiness varied Yeah. with the different levels of income or net worth or has it? Yeah, that's actually a great question too. Um, it, my happiness has stayed the same. My self doubt with myself changes and 
And I don't, what happens when you have failures, or at least when I have failures, or talk about myself, is I go through a self-doubt mode. Like, did, did I really ever know anything? Was I really good? <laughs> Was I, am I really an entrepreneur? And the answer to all that is yes, I, I am good and I am an entrepreneur and I, and you know, I was, I was in our, I was talking to Mike Diller recently and he asked, he said, you're never really an entrepreneur unless you've had, you've made everything, lost it all and made it all again. And I'm like, okay, I get that now. I get that. Um, my happiness does not relate to money. What, what it relates to is connection. And in my rock bottom spots, what really came through on both those times was connecting with people and being vulnerable and having real relationships. And that's where happiness comes from. There is not happiness in a lot of money and fakeness there. It just isn't. And I feel so supported by so many amazing people that I've connected with from those bottom rock, those rock bottom times that that's where I feel happiness lives is that true connection with people. How did your friends change or how did they show up differently as you were going through a couple of the declines? Yeah, I, you start to really see who your real friends are. Um, you know, I, both times around, I've seen that, um, you know, at the peak of my fitness business building and having a best-selling book in stores and having a lot of press. And I had people out coming out of the woodworks that wanted to be my friend and, you know, wanted to know me, wanted something. And then when you're, when you're having trouble, it was rare who I felt like I could really talk to or who really showed up for me. Um, you and Lori have always been those great friends that show up and, and that's, and I appreciate that. And, you know, you, I start, I'm really, I do look at people now, like, is there more to them than, than that promoter personality of like who they know and what they can do in the moment? Like there's so much more of a deeper level of people that I look for. What's the most important lesson you've drawn from your entire roller coaster journey the past 15 years? Gosh, uh, to just be real and authentic. Mm, I love that. And anybody can do that, right? Anybody can do that. And that's everyone's gift. So what are you building now? Let's like, let's take this thing on the uptick because you're up to some exciting things. You're more yeah. dangerous than you've ever been. What are you working on? <laughs> so I'm working on a lot of things and I'm, I'm, I wake up every day so fired up. It's like, it's so funny how things happen for a reason. They really do because what I'm most fired up about right now is, and this came from that turnaround the second time around was podcast really helped me out of a slump. I thought if I, I just need to get my mind right again and hear from people having success again. And I kept finding myself when I would listen to podcasts, wanting to know some deeper questions. So I decided I would start my own. So I have my own that just started that launches October one, um, called leveling up, creating everything from nothing. Because what I wanted to know, Chris, are, is how are these people that are so successful that appear so successful? How did they create that from rock bottom spots or from having nothing? Because I knew that those people were out there and there's a lot of them and they just weren't talking about it. So I've been like on fire with these interviews, just getting in the mindsets of people that have created everything from nothing time and time again. And that's it's been so much fun for me. This is going to be so, so good, by the way. Like, do you know, you have any idea? Well, of course you do. You're doing it. How excited people are going to be to have a resource about creating everything from nothing. 
I can't wait. I mean, I've done 25 interviews already and it's like, I, I want to launch them all like week one because I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be some people that have spent like 25 hours locked in their house listening. Oh my gosh. They're so good. And it's like the most enjoyable thing I do every day. I, I get so excited to wake up and interview somebody on this topic. So I've got that going on. I've also got my second book that will hit stores this May called aging in reverse. And a lot of it is not just nutrition and fitness. It's really about that mindset piece. And I believe that that's a big part of aging in reverse and, and staying young. And then what I've really moved to is, although I'll never get rid of my online products and being online, I, I do like to reach the masses that way. I've really deep got, taken a big deep dive into connecting with smaller groups, one-on-one -on -one and small groups. I really want to go deeper with people. I think there's so much more um, when you can go deep with somebody and be in person with them. So I've really gone full circle from being this face behind the camera with 3 million followers to really being in person with people and speaking more, being in small groups, doing my VIP weekends. And that's what's driving me lately. You know what? That brings me to a great business question that I get a lot and, and people would probably be angry if I didn't ask you. If I was interviewing you, let's say two years ago, I'd ask you a question along the lines of, how do you build such a great social media? But instead, my question is this. With social media still important, and obviously one of the many slices of the pie, where do you think the next safest place to build your brand is? You and I were talking offline about yeah. how building an email list is harder than ever, right? And deliver yeah. deliverability of that list is harder than ever. And uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram, they can change your algorithms any moment. So what should we yeah. be building? connection with your, with your tribe connection with a smaller group. I don't care about the masses anymore. I mean, I'm, I'll be out there for the masses so somebody can find me, but I go deep and I talk to who I want to reach. And I don't worry about the likes, the comments, the algorithms, the numbers. It, it doesn't matter to me anymore. At one point I cared about that. I just don't. I talk to who I want to attract and I go deep with my people and my audience. And it's so much more re rewarding. I don't worry about what offending people, what people, that people aren't going to like me, that someone's going to be not into one of my posts. I just, I took that away. I feel that connection is bigger. I think zoom, honestly, zoom is like my favorite platform now because I can connect with people and go deep with them. I love that. That's a good tip. People should grab that because everyone's trying to do webinars. Well, heck everyone's done webinars. Zoom <laughs> is like a different version of webinar selling and it's way better. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like you have your own audience, as many people as you want right there. You can interact with them. And it's not a following thing. It's just a connection thing. So speaking of connection, uh, one of the things that we highlight on here are everyone's common thread of generosity. And yeah. connection is really important to you, right? And you've been on some mission trips the past few years. I love watching you guys go on these. Yeah. Why don't you shed some light on that for us? So my gosh, the best way to really get out of your own head is just to focus out on somebody else and other people. And I try to practice that daily on some level. I, I really do. But one of those things, and, and I would love to even do more of these, Chris, but um, we went on a trip to Nicaragua. Um, Brooks has been a few times where we, you go and you actually build homes for people that are living on dirt floors. They don't have a home. In fact, when we went there uh, recently, they were, people were living on trash dumps, like literally burning trash dumps, digging through it. And they didn't have even a house. So, and you would go and build a home for them and just communicating with them, connecting with them, talking with them. They, they feel unloved, uncared for. 
the way you feel on a trip like that when you come back is so much gratitude, so much appreciation for everybody in your own life. And you really get outside of your own problems. Like who cares that my business tanked at one point when you, when you look at that, I mean, we're really here for a bigger purpose than just to make money, just to have nice shoes and bags. And don't get me wrong. I like nice shoes and bags, but, but we're here for a much bigger purpose. And I think doing those trips, uh, giving back in grand ways really is a, is a bigger purpose of what we're here for. Lori and I have been to Guatemala on something similar. It changes you, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it's, it's addictive. I want to do more, um, to get, to get us out of my own head. I mean, we don't, so many of us don't even realize how good we have it, um, until you go do something like that. You, then you see real problems. Would you say that your desire to do more and you nailed it, you get addicted, right? So what a great thing to be addicted to your desire to do more, give more, go on more mission trips, build more homes. Is that one of the driving factors in your success? I don't know that it is, but I do know, I, I, well, what I know for sure is that being stuck in my own head with my own selfish goals doesn't get me anywhere. Um, as soon as I get outside of my head and just give to give and don't give to get, I mean, not just on a mission trip, but just in, in life, just with people, as soon as I just can focus on giving to give, it comes back 10 times grander. It always does. I couldn't when agree I'm, more. Do you have a favorite moment of giving? I always ask everyone that. Oh my gosh. Do I have a favorite moment of giving? There's so many. Is there um, one that sticks out? Like, and sometimes it's the smallest things, but it just sticks with you forever. Gosh, there's so I, I, God, I can't even think. I'll, I'll think. I'll talk about my friend Kim. Uh, my friend Kim. My, I call her Yoga Kim because <laughs> she, um, she was my yoga instructor, and um, she was a Korean orphan. Um, she's her life could have been a whole different direction. Uh, but she was teaching yoga and she just had this calling and said she just wanted to work on her, her, uh, one love organization. And, but she couldn't do it because she was managing a yoga studio. And I just, I coached her through our yoga sessions, um, on creating an ebook and creating her own stream of income. And that's, it sounds more businessy, but she wasn't paying me. She was, I was paying her for yoga, but watching her be able to change her life and start her own thing. So she could give back to these boys that that's the type of thing that I love doing because, I know that I impacted her in my small way, but it impacted all these boys and so many people um, because of that. Mm, so good. I freaking love it. It's an ethos that you and I both share, and, I, and that's one of my favorite things about you guys. So let me ask you this. Where can we find you? Where's the best spot oh to follow like the new podcast and everything else? Yeah. So, uh, well, nataliejillfitness.com will always have my latest updates. And then my podcast, which will be out on Monday, is leveling up creating everything from nothing. And then on Instagram is the social media platform that I do probably post the most on. And that's Natalie Jill fit. Oh my God. I'm so excited for your podcast come out because I was interviewed. I'm going to share the daylights out of that yes. thing. Yay. That was a, such a great conversation. I'm really, you're a really good podcast host, by the way. Thank you, Chris. So here's Thank a signature you. question. I ask everybody. Yeah. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success or wealth? Because we're all here for a reason. We're all here for a reason. And if you stop trying to be somebody else and you can truly be yourself, that's what you're here to be. You, you know, be yourself, give back your gift, and the right people are, are going to receive that from you. Uh, but it's, it's about being your authentic self and knowing that you're here for a reason. Natalie, seriously, you crushed it. I think with the way that you painted the picture of up, 
then down, then up, then down, and going right back up again. I know for a fact that you're going to inspire so many people who have tuned into this, and I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.